Book six of the Iliad of Homer, rendered into English blank verse by Edward, Earl of Derby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Argument The episodes of Glaucus and Diomed, and of Hector and Andromache. The gods having left the field, the Grecians prevail. Helenus, the chief augur of Troy, commands Hector to return to the city in order to appoint a solemn procession of the queen and the Trojan matrons to the temple of Minerva to entreat her to remove Diomed from the fight. The battle relaxing during the absence of Hector, Glaucus and Diomed have an interview between the two armies, where, coming to the knowledge of the friendship and hospitality passed between their ancestors, they make exchange of their arms. Hector, having performed the orders of Hellenus, prevailed upon Paris to return to the battle, and, taken a tender leave of his wife Andromache, hastens again to the field. The scene is first in the field of battle between the rivers Simois and Scamander, then changes to Troy. The gods had left the field, and o'er the plain hither and thither surged the tide of war, as couched the opposing chiefs their brass-tipped spears midway twixt Simois and Scamander's streams. First through the Trojan phalanx broke his way the son of Telamon, the prop of Greece, the mighty Ajax, on his friends the light of triumph shedding, as Eusorus's son he smote, the noblest of the Thracian bands, valiant and strong, the gallant Acamas. Full in the front, beneath the plumed helm, the sharp spear struck, and crashing through the bone, the warrior's eyes were closed in endless night. Next, valiant Diomed, Axylus, slew, the son of Teuthrenes, who had his home in fair Arispa, rich in substance he, and loved of all, for dwelling near the road he oped to all his hospitable gate. But none of all he entertained was there to ward aside the bitter doom of death. There fell they both, he and his charioteer Calesius, who athwart the battlefield his chariot drove. One fate o'ertook them both. Then Dresus and Opheltius of their arms Euryalus despoiled his hot pursuit. Esipus next, and Pedasus assailed, brothers whom a Barbaria, Nyad nymph, to bold Bucalion bore, Bucalion son of great Laomedon, his eldest born, though bastard. He upon the mountainside on which his flocks he tended met the nymph, and of their secret loves twin sons were born. 
whom now at once Euryalus of strength and life deprived, and of their armour stripped. By Polypetes' hand in battle strong was slain Astyalus. Pedutes fell, chief of Percote, by Ulysses' spear, and Teucer, godlike Eretaeon, slew. Antilochus, the son of Nestor, smote with gleaming lance Ablerus. Elatus, by Agamemnon, king of men, was slain, who dwelt by Setanoas's widely flowing stream upon the lofty heights of Pedasus. By Leitus was Philocus in flight or tame. Eurypolis Melanthius slew. Then Menelaus, good in battle, took Adrastus captive, for his horses, scared and rushing wildly o'er the plain, amid the tangled tamarisk scrub, his chariot broke, snapping the pole. They, with the flying crowd, held cityward their course. He, from the car, hurled headlong, prostrate, lay beside the wheel, prone on his face in dust, and at his side, poising his mighty spear, Atrides stood. Adrastus clasped his knees, and suppliant cried, Spare me, great son of Atreus, for my life, accept a price, my wealthy father's house, a goodly store contains of brass and gold, and well-wrought iron, and of these he fain would pay a noble ransom, could he hear that in the Grecian ships I yet survived. His words to pity moved the victor's breast. Then had he bade his followers to the ships the captive bear, but running up in haste, fierce Agamemnon cried in stern rebuke, Soft-hearted Menelaus, why of life so tender? Hath thy house received indeed nothing but benefits at Trojan hands? Of that abhorred race, let not a man escape the deadly vengeance of our arms. No, not the infant in its mother's womb. No, nor the fugitive. But be they all, they and their city, utterly destroyed, uncared for, and from memory blotted out. Thus as he spoke, his counsel fraught with death, his brother's purpose changed. He with his hand Adrastus thrust aside, whom with his lance fierce Agamemnon through the loins transfixed, and as he rolled in death upon his breast, planting his foot, the ashen spear withdrew. Then loudly Nestor shouted to the Greeks, Friends, Grecian heroes, ministers of Mars, 
loiter not now behind to throw yourselves upon the prey and bear it to the ships let all your aim be now to kill anon ye may at leisure spoil your slaughtered foes with words like these he fired the blood of all now had the trojans by the warlike greeks in coward flight within their walls been driven but to aeneas and to hector thus the son of priam helenus the best of all the trojan seers addressed his speech aeneas and thou hector since on you of all the trojans and the lycian hosts is laid the heaviest burthen for that ye excel alike in counsel and in fight stand here awhile and moving to and fro on every side around the gates exhort the troops to rally lest they fall disgraced flying for safety to their women's arms and foes exulting triumph in their shame their courage thus restored worn as we are we with the greeks will still maintain the fight for so perforce we must but hector thou haste to the city there our mother find both thine and mine on ilium's topmost height by all the aged dames accompanied bid her the shrine of blue-eyed pallas seek unlock the sacred gates and on the knees of fair-haired pallas place the fairest robe in all the house the amplest best esteemed and at her altar vow to sacrifice twelve yearling kine that never felt the goad so she have pity on the trojan state our wives and helpless babes and turn away the fiery son of tydeus spearman fierce the minister of terror bravest he in my esteem of all the grecian chiefs for not achilles self the prince of men though goddess-born such dread inspired so fierce his rage and with his prowess none may vie he said nor uncomplying hector heard his brother's counsel from the car he leaped in arms upon the plain and brandished high his javelins keen and moving to and fro the troops encouraged and restored the fight rallying they turned and faced again the greeks these ceased from slaughter and in turn gave way deeming that from the starry heaven some god had to the rescue come so fierce they turned then to the trojans hector called aloud ye valiant trojans and renowned allies quit you like men remember now brave friends your wonted valour 
I to Ilium go, to bid our wives and reverend elders raise to heaven their prayers with vows of hecatombs. Thus saying, Hector of the glancing helm turned to depart, and as he moved along, the black bull's hide, his neck and ankles smote, the outer circle of his bossy shield. Then Tydeus' son, and Glaucus in the midst, son of Hippolochus, stood forth to fight. But when they near were met, to Glaucus first the valiant Diomed his speech addressed. Who art thou, boldest man of mortal birth? For in the glorious conflict heretofore I ne'er have seen thee, but in daring now thou far surpassest all who hast not feared to face my spear. Of most unhappy sires the children they whom I encounter meet. But if from heaven thou comest and art indeed a god, I fight not with the heavenly powers not long did dryas's son lycurgus brave survive who dared the immortals to defy he mid their frantic orgies in the groves of lovely nysa put to shameful rout the youthful bacchus's nurses they in fear dropped each her thyrsus scattered by the hand of fierce lycurgus with an ox-goad armed bacchus himself beneath the ocean wave in terror plunged and trembling refuge found in thetis bosom from a mortal's threats the gods indignant saw and saturn's son smote him with blindness nor survived he long hated alike by all the immortal gods i dare not then the blessed gods oppose but be thou mortal and the fruits of earth thy food approach and quickly meet thy doom to whom the noble glaucus thus replied great son of tydeus why my race inquire the race of man is as the race of leaves of leaves one generation by the wind is scattered on the earth another soon in spring's luxuriant verdure bursts to light so with our race these flourish those decay but if thou wouldst in truth inquire and learn the race i spring from not unknown of men there is a city in the deep recess of pastoral argos ephyri by name there sisyphus of old his dwelling had of mortal men the craftiest sisyphus the son of aeolus to him was born glaucus and glaucus in his turn begot bellerophon on whom the gods bestowed the gifts of beauty and of manly grace but Proetus sought his death 
and mightier far from all the coasts of Argos drove him forth, to Pretus subjected by Jove's decree. For him, the monarch's wife, Antia, nursed a maddening passion, and to guilty love would fain have tempted him, but failed to move the upright soul of chaste Bellerophon. With lying words she then addressed the king, Die, Pretus, thou, or slay Bellerophon, who basely sought my honour to assail. The king with anger listened to her words. Slay him he would not, that his soul abhorred, but to the father of his wife, the king of Lycia, sent him forth with tokens charged of dire import on folded tablets traced poisoning the monarch's mind to work his death to lycia guarded by the gods he went but when he came to lycia and the streams of xanthus there with hospitable rites the king of widespread lycia welcomed him nine days he feasted him nine oxen slew but with the tenth return of rosy morn he questioned him and for the tokens asked he from his son-in-law from pretus bore the tokens fatal import understood he bade him first the dread chimera slay a monster sent from heaven not human born with head of lion and a serpent's tail and body of a goat and from her mouth there issued flames of fiercely burning fire yet her confiding in the gods he slew they returned not home for all by brave bellerophon were slain next with the valiant solomai he fought the fiercest fight that e'er he undertook thirdly the women warriors he o'erthrew the amazons from whom returning home the king another stratagem devised for choosing out of the best of lycia's sons he set an ambush they returned not home for all by brave bellerophon were slain but by his valour when the king perceived his heavenly birth he entertained him well gave him his daughter and with her the half of all his royal honours he bestowed a portion too the lycians meted out fertile in corn and wine of all the state the choicest land to be his heritage three children there to brave bellerophon were born Isander and Hippolochus, Laodamia last, beloved of Jove, the lord of counsel, and to him she bore godlike Sarpedon of the brazen helm. Bellerophon, at length, the wrath incurred of all the gods, and to the Elenian plain alone he wandered. There he wore away his soul and shunned the busy haunts of men. 
Insatiate Mars, his son Isander slew in battle with the valiant Solomai. His daughter perished by Diana's wrath. I from Hippolochus my birth derive. To Troy he sent me, and enjoined me oft to aim at highest honours and surpass my comrades all nor on my father's name discredit bring who held the foremost place in ephyre and lycia's wide domain such is my race and such the blood i boast he said and diomed rejoicing heard his spear he planted in the fruitful ground and thus with friendly words the chief addressed by ancient ties of friendship are we bound for godlike oeneus in his house received for twenty days the brave bellerophon they many a gift of friendship interchanged a belt with crimson glowing oeneus gave bellerophon a double cup of gold which in my house i left when here i came of tydeus no remembrance i retain for yet a child he left me when he fell with his achaeans at the gate of thebes so i in argos am thy friendly host thou mine in lycia when i thither come then shun we e'en amid the thickest fight each other's lance enough there are for me of trojans and their brave allies to kill as heaven may aid me and my speed of foot and greeks enough there are for thee to slay if so indeed thou canst but let us now our armour interchange that these may know what friendly bonds of old our houses join thus as they spoke they quitted each his car clasped hand in hand and plighted mutual faith then glaucus of his judgment jove deprived his armour interchanging gold for brass a hundred oxen's worth for that of nine meanwhile when hector reached the oak beside the sean gate around him thronged the wives of troy and daughters anxious to inquire the fate of children brothers husbands friends he to the gods exhorted all to pray for deep the sorrows that o'er many hung but when to priam's splendid house he came with polished corridors adorned within were fifty chambers all of polished stone placed each by other there the fifty sons of priam with their wedded wives reposed on the other side within the court were built twelve chambers near the roof of polished stone placed each by other there the sons-in-law of priam with their spouses chaste reposed to meet him there his tender mother came 
and with her led the young Laodice, fairest of all her daughters. Clasping then his hands, she thus addressed him, Why, my son, why comest thou here, and leavest the battlefield? Are Trojans by those hateful sons of Greece, fighting round the city, sorely pressed? And comest thou, by thy spirit moved, to raise on Ilium's heights thy hands in prayer to Jove? But tarry till I bring the luscious wine, that first to Jove and to the immortals all thou mayst thine offering pour. Then with the draught thyself thou mayst refresh, for great the strength which generous wine imparts to men who toil, as thou hast toiled, thy comrades to protect. To whom great Hector of the glancing helm. No, not for me, mine honoured mother, pour the luscious wine, lest thou unnerve my limbs, and make me all my wonted prowess lose. The ruddy wine I dare not pour to Jove with hands unwashed, nor to the cloud-girt son of Saturn may the voice of prayer ascend from one with blood bespattered and defiled. Thou, with the elder women, seek the shrine of Pallas, bring your gifts, and on the knees of fair-haired Pallas place the fairest robe in all the house, the amplest best esteemed, and at her altar vow to sacrifice twelve yearling kine that never felt the goad, so she have pity on the Trojan state, our wives and helpless babes, and turn away the fiery son of Tydeus, spearman fierce, the minister of terror, to the shrine of Pallas thou. To Paris I to call, if haply he will hear, would that the earth would gape and swallow him, for great the curse that Jove through him hath brought on men of Troy, on noble Priam, and on Priam's sons. Could I but know that he were in his grave, methinks my sorrows I could half forget. He said, She, to the house returning, sent the attendants through the city to collect the train of aged suppliants. She, meanwhile, her fragrant chamber sought, wherein were stored rich garments by Sidonian women worked, whom godlike Paris had from Sidon brought, sailing the broad sea o'er, the selfsame path by which the high-born Helen he conveyed, of these the richest in embroidery, the amplest, and the brightest, as a star, refulgent, placed with care beneath the rest, the queen her offering bore to Pallas's shrine. She went, and with her many an ancient dame. But when the shrine they reached on Ilium's height, Theano, fair of face, the gates unlocked, daughter of Sisius, sage Antenor's wife, by Trojans named at Pallas's shrine to serve, 
they with deep moans to Pallas raised their hands. But fair Theano took the robe, and placed on Pallas's knees, and to the heavenly maid, daughter of Jove, she thus addressed her prayer. Guardian of cities, Pallas, awful queen, goddess of goddesses, Break thou the spear of Tydeus' son, And grant that he himself prostrate before the Sian gates may fall. So at thine altar will we sacrifice Twelve yearling kine that never felt the goad, If thou have pity on the state of Troy, The wives of Trojans, and their hopeless babes. Thus she, but Pallas, answered not her prayer. While thus they called upon the heavenly maid, Hector to Paris's mansion bent his way, a noble structure which himself had built, aided by all the best artificers who in the fertile realm of Troy were known. With chambers, hall, and court, on Ilium's height, near to where Priam's self and Hector dwelt, there entered Hector, well beloved of Jove, and in his hand his ponderous spear he bore, twelve cubits long. Bright flashed the weapon's point of polished brass, with circling hoop of gold. There in his chamber found he whom he sought. About his armor busied, polishing his shield, his breastplate, and his bended bow, while Argive Helen, mid her maidens, placed the skilful labors of their hands, o'erlooked. To him thus Hector, with reproachful words, Thou dost not well thine anger to indulge. In battle round the city's lofty wall the people fast are falling, Thou the cause, that fiercely thus around the city burns the flame of war and battle, and thyself wouldst others blame, who from the fight should shrink? Up, ere the town be wrapped in hostile fires! To whom in answer godlike Paris thus, Hector, I own not causeless thy rebuke. Yet will I speak, hear thou, and understand. T'was less from anger with the Trojan hosts, And fierce resentment, that I here remained, That I sought my sorrow to indulge. Yet hath my wife, e'en now with soothing words, Urged me to join the battle, so I own, twere best, and victory changes oft her side. Then stay while I my armor don, or thou go first. I, following, will o'ertake thee soon. He said, but Hector of the glancing helm made answer none. Then thus with gentle tones Helen accosted him. 
dear brother mine, Of me degraded, sorrow-bringing vile. Oh, that the day my mother gave me birth, Some storm had on the mountains cast me forth, Or that the many dashing ocean's waves Had swept me off, ere all this woe were wrought. Yet if these evils were of heaven ordained, Would that a better man had called me wife, A sounder judge of honour and disgrace? For he, thou knowest, no firmness hath of mind, Nor ever will, a want he well may rue. But come thou in, and rest thee here a while, dear brother, On this couch, for travail sore encompass thy soul by me, imposed, degraded as I am, and Paris's guilt, on whom this burthen heaven hath laid, that shame on both our names through years to come shall rest. To whom great Hector of the glancing helm, though kind thy wish, yet, Helen, ask me not to sit or rest, I cannot yield to thee, for to the succour of my friends I haste, who feel my loss, and sorely need my aid. But thou, thy husband, rouse, and let him speed, that he may find me still within the walls, for I too homeward go, to see once more my household, and my wife, and infant child, for whether I may e'er again return, I know not, or if heaven have so decreed that I this day by Grecian hands should fall. Thus saying, Hector of the glancing helm turned to depart. With rapid step he reached his own well-furnished house, but found not there his white-armed spouse, the fair Andromache. She, with her infant child and maid the while, was standing, bathed in tears and bitter grief, on Ilium's topmost tower. But when her lord found not within the house his peerless wife, upon the threshold pausing, thus he spoke, Tell me, my maidens, tell me true, which way your mistress went, the fair Andromache, or to my sisters, or my brother's wives, or to the temple where the fair-haired dames of Troy invoke Minerva's awful name. To whom the matron of his house replied, If truly we must answer thee, nor to thy sisters, nor thy brother's wives, nor to the temple where the fair-haired dames of Troy invoke Minerva's awful name, but to the height of Ilium's topmost tower Andromache is gone. Since tidings came, the Trojan force was overmatched, and great the Grecian strength, whereat, like one distract, she hurried to the walls, and with her took born in the nurse's arms, her infant child. So spoke the ancient dame, 
and hector through the wide streets his rapid steps retraced but when at last the mighty city's length was traversed and the sea and gates were reached whence was the outlet to the plain in haste running to meet him came his priceless wife aeacian's daughter fair andromache aeacian who from thebes salicia swayed thebes at the foot of placos's wooded height his child to hector of the brazen helm was given in marriage she it was who now met him and by her side the nurse who bore clasped to her breast his all unconscious child hector's loved infant fair as the morning star whom hector called scamandrius but the rest astyanax in honour of his sire the matchless chief the only prop of troy silent he smiled as on his boy he gazed but at his side andromache in tears hung on his arm and thus the chief addressed dear lord thy dauntless spirit will work thy doom nor hast thou pity on this thy helpless child or me forlorn to be thy widow soon for thee will all the greeks with force combined assail and slay for me twere better far of thee bereft to lie beneath the sod nor comfort shall be mine if thou be lost but endless grief to me nor sire is left nor honoured mother fell achilles hand my sire aeacian slew what time his arms the populous city of Cilicia raised the lofty gated thebes he slew indeed but stripped him not he reverenced the dead and o'er his body with his armour burnt a mound erected and by the mountain nymphs the progeny of aegis-bearing jove planted around his tomb a grove of elms there were seven brethren in my father's house all in one day they fell amid their herds and fleecy flocks by fierce achilles hand my mother queen of placos's wooded height brought with the captives here he soon released for costly ransom but by dian's shafts she in her father's house was stricken down but hector thou to me art all in one sire mother brethren thou my wedded love then pitying us within the tower remain nor make thy child an orphan and thy wife a hapless widow by the fig-tree here array thy troops for here the city wall easiest of access most invites assault thrice have their boldest chiefs this point assailed the two agencies brave idomeneus the atridae both 
and Tydeus' warlike son, or by the prompting of some heaven-taught seer, or by their own adventurous courage led. To whom great Hector of the glancing helm. Think not, dear wife, that by such thoughts as these my heart has ne'er been wrung. But I should blush to face the men and long-robed dames of Troy, if, like a coward, I could shun the fight. Nor could my soul the lessons of my youth so far forget, whose boast it still has been in the forefront of battle to be found, charged with my father's glory and mine own yet in my inmost soul too well i know the day must come when this our sacred troy and priam's race and priam's royal self shall in one common ruin be o'erthrown but not the thoughts of troy's impending fate nor hecuba's nor royal Priam's woes, nor loss of brethren, numerous and brave, by hostile hands laid prostrate in the dust, so deeply wring my heart as thoughts of thee, thy days of freedom lost, and led away a weeping captive by some brass-clad Greek, haply an Argos, at a mistress's beck, Condemned to ply the loom, or water draw from Hyperesia's or Messia's fount, heart wrung by stern necessity constrained. Then they who see thy tears perchance may say, Lo, this was Hector's wife, who, when they fought on plains of Troy, was Ilium's bravest chief. Thus may they speak, and thus thy grief renew, For loss of him, who might have been thy shield, To rescue thee from slavery's bitter hour. Oh, may I sleep in dust, ere be condemned To hear thy cries, and see thee dragged away. Thus, as he spoke, great Hector, stretched his arms to take his child but back the infant shrank crying and sought his nurse's sheltering breast scared by the brazen helm and horsehair plume that nodded fearful on the warrior's crest laughed the fond parents both and from his brow hector the cask removed and set it down all glittering on the ground then kissed his child and danced him in his arms then thus to jove and to the immortals all addressed his prayer grant jove and all ye gods that this my son may be as i the foremost man of troy for valor famed, his country's guardian king, that men may say, This youth surpasses far his father, 
when they see him from the fight from slaughtered foes with bloody spoils of war returning to rejoice his mother's heart thus saying in his mother's arms he placed his child she to her fragrant bosom clasped smiling through tears with eyes of pitying love hector beheld and pressed her hand and thus addressed her dearest wring not thus my heart for till my day of destiny is come no man may take my life and when it comes nor brave nor coward can escape that day but go thou home and ply thy household cares the loom and distaff and appoint thy maids their several tasks and leave to men of troy and chief of all to me the toils of war great hector said and raised his plumed helm and homeward slow with oft reverted eyes shedding hot tears his sorrowing wife returned arrived at valiant hector's well-built house her maidens pressed around her and in all arose at once the sympathetic grief for hector yet alive his household mourned deeming he never would again return safe from the fight by grecian hands unharmed nor lingered paris in his lofty halls but donned his armor glittering o'er with brass and through the city passed with bounding steps as some proud steed that well-filled manger fed his halter broken neighing scours the plain and revels in the widely flowing stream to bathe his sides then tossing high his head while o'er his shoulders streams his ample mane light-borne on active limbs in conscious pride to the wide pastures of the mares he flies so paris priam's son from ilium's height his bright arms flashing like the gorgeous sun hastened with boastful mien and rapid step hector he found as from the spot he turned where with his wife he late had converse held whom thus the godlike paris first addressed too long good brother art then here detained impatient for the fight by my delay nor have i timely as thou bad'st me come to whom thus hector of the glancing helm my gallant brother none who thinks aright can cavil at thy prowess in the field for thou art very valiant but thy will is weak and sluggish 
and it grieves my heart when from the trojans who in thy behalf such labours undergo i hear thy name coupled with foul reproach but go we now henceforth shall all be well if jove permit that from our shores we drive the invading greeks and to the ever-living gods of heaven in peaceful homes our free libations pour End of Book 6